Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode of Hey Amarillo is supported by the Texas Outdoor Musical, which was originally supposed to open last week, but had to delay the opening due to some positive COVID tests in the cast and crew. The new opening date is this week, June 9th, and I can't wait to see the show myself in a few days. If you live in Amarillo, in Canyon, or anywhere else in the Panhandle, it is absolutely something you have to experience. So reserve your tickets now at TexasShow.com. That's Texas-Show.com. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout out to the interior design store Urban Giraffe online at TheUrbanGiraffe.com. Read the free e-edition of Brick and Elm at BrickandElm.com or pick up a copy at local newsstands today. Today's guest is Josue Navarro, whom everyone knows as Sway. Sway was born in Durango, Mexico, but he moved here when he was five years old and he grew up in Amarillo. To help out his single mom, he started cutting hair when he was in high school. And before long, that that hobby or interest had turned his bedroom into a home hair salon. And a few years later, Sway moved to Denver. He found himself having become the unofficial team barber of the Denver Nuggets. And now he's in L.A. building a new fashion collection and brand called Renovated Aesthetics. Now, most of my interviews are of people who live in Amarillo right now, but occasionally I'll reach out to people who are former Amarilloans and who are doing cool things and have a great story, and Sway definitely qualifies. So this is a fun one. Here's Sway Navarro. Sway Navarro, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I want to say first off, I know that you don't live here. Um, I know that you've kind of just popped in for the weekend. And I'm, I'm grateful uh, for the, the time you gave me, but I want to start with you the same way I start with all of my guests, and that's just to ask... How you ended up in Amarillo in mm-hmm. the first place? I know you grew up here. How did your family end up here? Um, my mom brought my siblings and I to the states when I was five years old. Okay, from Mexico, a place called Durango. Uh, that's where I was originally born, and we actually landed in Denver first. Okay, Denver, Colorado. I've always had family there. They kind of migrated there first, um, so we stationed there for about a year. And shortly after, my mom decided to come to Amarillo because my dad had actually. Found some some work out here, construction uh, work, and my mom followed. Yeah, brought my siblings and I to to, to Amarillo, Texas, and uh, started going to school here and whatnot. Do you know why your parents decided to come here? Yeah, of course. Just like any other, you know, family from Mexico, potentially just uh, have a better life, uh, better income, you know, and more opportunity for sure. Did you have family here already? Like, were they following? Aunts, uncles, cousins, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. One of my uncles and my grandpa were some of the first ones that came through. Uh, and they, like I said, they landed in Denver first. Yeah, and everybody started following. Uh, half of my family's here, half, half of my family's still in Mexico. So, What kind of work did they do? They've all kind of been in the construction business, uh, design, remodeling homes, just a lot of construction work. Yeah, I, I know that there's a lot in Amarillo and Denver every time I've been there is always seems to be growing faster and faster. So yes. I imagine. Um, do you remember like your childhood in Mexico? And you, that being so young, I mean, yeah. what do you remember of those days? Yeah, I remember small, uh, small memories of going to the park. Uh, I remember my house, my home very well. Uh, my mom mentions how 
at age two, I was climbing these uh, these fences to get up to the roof, actually, at two years old. Yeah, so I just remember those little things for sure. There was this, like, wall that I would climb. and uh, So just moments like that. Nothing too crazy because I was obviously five years old when I came over. So uh, I didn't start getting the memory till. I went to school here, okay. all that good stuff. Where did you so, go to school once you got to Amarillo? Yeah, so once I got to Amarillo, we went to Humphreys Highland. Okay. Yeah, which was... Um, That's where my dad went to school. Really? Yeah, like wow. you know how old that is. It's yeah, wow. In the 50s, I guess. Yeah, which was crazy because I was needing to learn the new language. Mm-hmm. And I remember just being super stressed out uh, being in school, uh, not knowing the language. Uh, they'd give me a paper and you know had 10 questions on there i'm at a point where i'm like having to first of all just know what the paper says and right. not knowing what the paper's saying i'm seeing all the people in my classroom like turning their work and i'm like sitting here stressed out right and um i asked for help raise my hand i asked for help the help comes and uh don't understand what the help is telling me right you know so i'm stressed out all over again uh i remember just pulling my hair while all this is happening, you know, and it was almost like an everyday thing, you know. So anyway, I go back to that because it, it, it's been sparking a lot of uh, a lot of limiting beliefs that mm-hmm. I've been holding on to. And that's what I'm learning that, that we all have some sort of shadow, some sort of behaviors that we uh, adapted from our, beha- our our childhood some way, somehow, you know, yeah. so or at um, least ways to cope with stress. Exactly. And, and those things. Exactly. Once I got the help, you know, I go back to the paper and I'm, I am still don't know what it is or what what I'm looking at. So I just remember guessing. I was just like, man, I'm, I'm, do, I'm doing my best, you know, so. Was, did, uh, did you have like a, a bilingual teacher or anything or was the class entirely in English? I mean, so, were you just like fully immersed, thrown in there? Or? Right. Uh, a little bit of both. Okay. Uh, like very limited, like Spanish classes, uh, but definitely had them, you know, and those were a lot more enjoyable, of course. I had that at least, you know, but my brother, who was a little bit older than me, he's a year and a month older than me. He ended up uh, getting held back because his his grade did not have like mm. any like bilingual classes. So. Okay. It's always a little bit easier for younger kids right. to, to pick up a language like right, that. Right? Right. I, I've talked to a number of people who immigrated to the United States or came here as refugees and live in Amarillo. Uh, and most of them were just thrown into the school system, yeah, you know, at age yeah, seven or something. And, exactly. And they figured it out. And their parents, like, still can't speak English. Exactly. You know? Yes, yes. There's yes. something about how uh, how nimble a kid's brain is that can figure that out. I agree. Yes. Those moments always come up now, especially now that I'm doing a lot of this, work, this shadow work right now. Do you remember a point where you started to feel uh, less like a visitor? Like somebody who was in a new place and it, it felt more like home to you. Yeah. I think when we stationed, uh, when we, my mom finally started buying the house where we're currently at, I think that was grade, grade four, grade five okay. in middle school there, there in Humphreys Highland. We ended up buying a, a home right next to Humphreys Highland, actually. And which my mom's just recently got done paying off that house. Oh, really? I'm extremely wow, proud of her. Awesome. Yeah. That was a big achievement for her, for sure. And so you went to Humphreys Highland, uh, then did you go to Bowie? Yeah, Bowie okay. and then Caprock. Okay. Yes. And tell me about, just tell me about that experience uh, as, as someone who immigrated to the U.S. Okay. Um, you know, certainly there's, there's a large uh, Hispanic and Spanish-speaking population mm-hmm. uh, at Bowie and at Caprock. Um, a lot of those are, you know, 
multi-generational here in the United States and, mm-hmm. and you're like first generation in the yes. United States. Could was, was there anything distinct about your experience that felt different from maybe your friends? Yeah, I think for myself, it was just couldn't really relate to most of my friends. And it was it wasn't so much of the cultural. It was just uh, my mom grew up raising f- four children, my, my siblings and I. Mm-hmm. And um, for the most part, my mom. Uh, my mom was a single mom. My dad was around for a little bit, but not so much. So apart from just the cultural differences, uh, also not really having a dad, mm-hmm. which I'm now finding that I'm older, that it's like, man, like it would have been nice to have a, a father figure or just a male example, you know? So uh, I think that was like a lot of the differences that I had with like classmates and stuff like that. So okay. I, I know you started cutting hair when you were, a teenager. Mm-hmm. Tell me how that happened. Yes. So I remember being in high school and it was the age where all my friends and classmates were starting to get jobs and you needed social security to get a job. And I asked my mom that I was getting getting ready to get a job as well. And she kind of like broke it to me. She's like, yo, you don't have uh, social security, you know? Okay. So, so she didn't come like on a visa. Did we, she come? We, we came or? on a traveling visa. Okay, and yeah. then just stayed. Exactly. Got it. Yeah, came on traveling visa, and then yeah, but at age fifteen, like yeah, yeah all so that you was don't expired. Have the documentation. Yeah. So she kind of broke it to me. She's like, "Yo, you can't apply for jobs, and the only way we could really do it is you know if we kind of like do something illegal and like we change our names and stuff like that." So she broke all that to me, and I was just like, "Okay, I get it." So. I started turning uh, towards things that I could possibly do because I, I started realizing that this was going to affect my life some way, somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really just started to seek what are some of the opportunities that I could like do and see. And that was kind of like the prominent thought in my mind, like, how am I going to get past a lot of this stuff, right? I remember going to the barbershop, uh, getting haircuts. I used to love getting haircuts back then. Uh, not so much yeah, right I now. Just too busy for it right now. I love getting haircuts by any means, but but yeah, I remember going to the barbershop and every we would try to get a haircut every two weeks or so. And I just remember the barbers at the barbershops just pulling out a wad of cash. And I was like, wait, like these guys are just, you know, operating through cash. And I was like, I would probably do this at home. I came from a very artistic background. So I used to draw a lot. I used to paint a lot. And I was like, I remember sitting down waiting to get my hair cut. And I would just peep game. And I was just watching all the barbers. And I was like, man, this this could be actually pretty simple. I mm-hmm. feel like it's just lines and shading, you know, and sculpture. Uh, yeah, right? sculpture. Exactly. So yeah, it got to the point where I was like, man, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work to get a pair of clippers. I remember in high school, specifically, I talked to my mom, I was like, how can I get some money to get a pair of clippers. She's like, I know what we could do, uh, which was, I was very grateful for this. She was like, uh, you could start selling candy and um, you could just kind of double up, you know, and then just work your way to whatever you need to do to get your pair of clippers. And I was like, okay, cool. How much were clippers at that point? Um, the ones you were looking at? Yeah, like 60 bucks. Okay. Yeah. I ended up actually later on just finding a pair of clippers. Uh, I don't know whether my mom was constantly getting stuff that, she cleans houses for a living. Mm-hmm. So the people that she cleans houses for, a lot of them give them like extra stuff, like they, things that they might not want anymore. And I think I actually found them in, okay. in, a, in a box. So, but 
the hustle started with with candy. She bought me a a, a box of candy that had thirty the the thirty pack, and I remember taking them to school, and started sales, and started telling all my friends that I sell candy now. Started selling them at dollar a piece. I think the box was like thirteen dollars or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And so I made about fifteen dollar profit, and then I ended up buying another box. You know, so I, I'm bought two boxes now, and so yeah, just started just doubling. Kept up. Yeah, that exactly. So just started doubling up, and then essentially I ended up getting that finding that pair of clippers, and then I started buying all the other essential clippers that I needed. I didn't have the knowledge for it at the time, so I started turning to YouTube. Uh, started asking a lot of questions too to certain barbers and stuff like that. People that I felt comfortable with. I actually told myself that um, that I didn't know how I was gonna like start this career, but I knew that I, it was a way to to get me past school. Or, okay. or my main thing was I didn't want to burden my mom, uh, constantly asking her for money. Right. I was at a stage where I was like, man, like everybody's working, like I gotta you know provide for myself and and actually just be of help uh, to my mom. So. It got to the point where I started cutting my own hair. I was like, okay, I'm just going to start with my own hair. Back then I had like... Which is harder. Yeah, like that's yeah, harder than cutting sure. your friend's hair. <laughs> I just had like three on top, you know, and then mm-hmm. I would kind of taper the sides and the back a little bit. I started with just the sides. And at first I remember just spending hours in in the restroom just trying to get this down, looking at YouTube's on mm-hmm. the, YouTube videos on the Multiple side. Multiple mirrors yeah, and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Writing steps down that I liked, you know, so just kind of refining the steps and stuff. So I actually ended up doing this for like six months. Okay. Like back to back. There was times where I had to go bald. And just it, Still just your own hair though, Yes, right? exactly. Right. I'm very detail-oriented, so I wanted to make sure that I didn't mess anybody up, you know? Okay. And I was that was actually one of my biggest fears, like messing somebody up, so... I made sure that I at least was somewhat familiar with cutting hair before I offered it to anybody else. Got to a point where I felt comfortable enough. My neighbor, he was just getting haircuts at a normal, just random salon, you know. And I remember just seeing his haircuts and I was just like, All right, I think he might be a good candidate for my first client. And I told him, I was like, yo, where do you get your haircut? He told me just at a salon. And how often? He's like, well, I only get a haircut like every three weeks or every month. I was like, okay, cool. Um, tell you what, like, if you let me cut your hair, I'll cut your hair for free. And if I mess you up, I'll pay you mm. for, for messing up your hair. Like, more than what you pay for your haircut now. And it sounded amazing to him. So I, I cut him for the first time after six months of cutting my own hair. And for the next six months, I ended up cutting my hair every week and also started cutting his hair every okay. week. The first haircut, he absolutely loved it. He's like, "Whoa, this is a lot better than." Did he start paying you after uh, that first one? I for the six months, I was just like, "Yeah, I got you." You know, like just I knew it was just about getting the reps for me, yeah, and like doing the repetitions and finding the small little details. So, when when did you think, having gotten that experience, and and now you have a a client, um, Mm -hmm. when did you think about expanding it? Yeah, because you're still in high school, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was like, um, it's like a junior in high school at this time. Once I like got confident enough to like cut his hair, when things changed for me was when I started getting text messages from his friends that like, yo, I heard you cut Ephraim's hair. Uh, can I? Can you cut my hair? And I was just nervous actually at the time. I was like, man, like people are gonna start asking me for haircuts. And also like in school, like people were constantly asking me like, yo, you always got a haircut now. Like, 
like, how do you do it? And I was like, oh, I actually come on here, you know? So yeah, so people didn't stop coming after that. And I didn't, at the time, there was a little bit where I was kind of like, like holding back on it. And yeah. I was like, no, I don't cut hair. I don't cut hair. And sure enough, like there was just too many people. And I was like, man, like maybe this is the business that I'm supposed to go through, you know? And once I enter seniors, my senior year in high school, I'm like, for sure, like we still haven't had our papers or really had the opportunity to get our papers. Um, so I think this is going to be something that I could definitely, a vehicle, you know, for right. me instead of having to go get a job. So, which it was enjoyable to me because I would see all the barbers as well that I would go and get a haircut previously to. And they lived a good life, you know, they, they dressed up really nice. They drove nice cars. And I was like, this shouldn't be bad, you know. Mm -hmm. That's when things really started to, to turn. I went from cutting my own hair in the restroom to taking my bed out from my 300 square foot room. Just I kind of set up a nice little station in there, just chair. At, at first, it was like a wooden chair that my mom got yeah. from, you know, from a garage sale or something like that. And then um, put up a nice little mirror and just went, went to work. So you and, just turned your bedroom there exactly. to the, the salon. And at the time, I, I was my mom was like, where are you going to sleep? I was like, I'm just going to sleep on the couch. Um, and, and she was cool with it? Yeah, she was cool with it. She was cool with it. And I was so glad that she supported me mm -hmm. along that way. But it got to the point where, like, random people were stepping up to my doorstep and it's like yo like i heard there's a guy here named sway yeah he so not hair. your classmates yeah you know, yeah just people. Okay. exactly so that's when i knew it was serious it got to a point where like people in the neighborhood thought i was selling drugs at, at one point because people were just randomly showing up you know and yeah friends and family started getting the word and i, I was like yeah come through five dollars you know um and sure enough started making a hundred bucks a week you know okay. 200 bucks a week and i was like Oh, like just all five dollar haircuts i just started imagining like man like i'm this good already like how can i how can i be better and start charging those at the time they were charging like 15 20 for haircuts and i was like once i get to that level yeah. i started doing all the math and i was like all right cool like i think this is a good route you know at the time my my, my time to do a haircut was like two hours <laughs> so i was like okay i needed like figure out how to condense this time frame, yeah. you know and then so Most people average, still expect yeah. it's going to take 20 minutes. Exactly. Like that. Exactly. So, but I had the best clients and I always have been, and I've always been very, you know, expressive to them how like, I just need to get better right now. So $5 is okay. And yeah, I always just had the support, man. So, okay. So you, you built up the clients, you, you kind of had a business mm -hmm. um, and you graduated from high school. So what happened after that? I never thought I'd be cutting hair for a living. I always knew that it was just a way to like just kind of get out of the, the situation that I was in. Like I could provide for myself now. Like that's all I really needed. Mm -hmm. um, once I graduated high school, I was actually very excited. I graduated with the ACE program. Okay. Um, and I was excited because I was like, oh, I'm going to get college paid for. My mom's not going to have to like, you know, break her back to pay right. for college or whatever. I wanted to go to school for architecture and design. Uh, I've always been fascinated of like creating something or like just having an idea, like seeing it come to life, you know. So started applying for school and, you know, started applying with my ACE program. And I remember getting called specifically and they, they told us that we can't use our ACE program because we didn't have a Social Security. Oh, okay. And that was the first time that I was like broken, you know, that Nobody life told hit you me. That yeah, yeah, because I, I worked so hard yeah. for the ACE program, you know, kept my grade up, grades up, made sure I was doing everything, you know, to make sure that I got my college paid for. 
And they were just like, yeah, like, um, you don't have a social security, so you don't, uh, you would need to get your social security within two years and you'll still be eligible for it. Uh, but you would have to be a citizen, which I'm just now being eligible to be a citizen recently. Okay. Um, and that, this, you're like six years later. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was one of those times for sure where life hit and it was, it was a test and it was like, how are you going to handle this? You yeah. know, what, what happens when that dream dies? Yes, exactly. Do? So I remember going back to the drawing board and just being like, okay, like I'm cutting hair right now. I'm making decent money. Should I continue to cut hair? That was the main question. And I remember doing a lot of research. I remember going on YouTube and just seeing how far a barber could go. I was just interested because I had never done that research. I remember running into a video on YouTube uh, by a barber named Johnny Cake. And the video was labeled uh, A Day in the Life of Johnny Cake, the barber. Mm -hmm. Turned on the video. Next thing you know, he's like cutting Jay-Z's hair and like getting like $500 for a haircut. Yeah. You know, I was like, whoa, like. And he's living this like crazy life, you know what I mean? Like he's flying back and forth and like is showing his barbershop and like he's driving like this crazy car, you know, and actually like somebody picked him up from the shop actually. And then he went to the airport, flew into like CJZ and like um, sure enough, the last scene was just like him cutting Jay-Z, you know, just some really cool music, you know what I mean? Um, so I was really inspired by that. I was like, wow, like. Like, there's no limit to this. Like, I could really take this however I want to. So, yeah. So, I became inspired by that. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm going to run with this. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I like it. And it might not be the thing that I want to do forever. But it's a vehicle that's going to get me to a dream. So, I was like, all right, cool. I remember asking my mom. I was like, yo, like, can I go to barber school? Like, is that a possibility? Started doing the research on that. And sure enough, they were like, yeah, you could actually. Even without papers, oh, you could do okay. that. So I, I I left that out, actually. So through that process of people calling me and telling me that I can't use my H program, mm -hmm. my mom actually ended up getting arrested for uh, like her taillight was out or something like that. Oh, okay. And it was that time frame where like out in Phoenix, they were like asking people randomly whether yeah, they had their yeah. papers or not. I guess they were doing that here for a little bit as well, too. And my mom ended up going through that process. Whenever they pulled it over for that taillight, they asked her right away. They're like, you have your papers or not? Because obviously her, you know, her English wasn't amazing. And my mom's not the person to lie. She's like, yeah. no, I don't. Like, I don't have my papers. They took her in. They, like, have her in prison for, like, two months. Oh, wow. And, and they're given their option whether she wants to fight her case. And, like, full prison, like, not jail. Like, they yeah. send her out yeah. to San Antonio. Like, she wasn't even God. here no more. I remember us calling me and my si my sister at the time. She's the oldest. She started calling all the people that she cleans houses for and just letting them know the situation. They gave her the option to fight her case, and we didn't have the money for it to fight the case. So we were like, we were literally just about to leave voluntarily, and we're yeah. like, okay, like, self deportation. Yes, I guess. exactly. And the first person that we called was JP Still, and JP Still, um, he was the first person that my mom worked for. And he ended up um, telling us, he's like, you know what? You guys have been here for too long. You guys are amazing people. I'm, I'm getting you guys a lawyer. And I'm, I'm going to fight this case for you guys. I'm going to make sure that you guys stay here. Um, and it was a blessing. Hmm. Uh, fought the case. We ended up winning the case. We ended up getting our, our, our green card, actually. Okay. But at the time, it was a process to get to the green right. card. So we just got a Social Security. And then shortly after, we got a full like green card. That's kind of how everything happened for us to eventually start looking into like barber school. 
Okay. But because I, I wasn't a citizen yet and wasn't going to be eligible to become a citizen, like ACE program was still out of the question. So started looking into uh, barber schools. I knew, I know there was a couple cosmetology schools here in Amarillo. Mm-hmm. I personally wanted to go to a barber school at the time. That's all like... I mean, you were self-taught of, already. You, yeah. You knew what you were doing, yeah. but you just wanted it to feel official I yeah guess, exactly or, or get a license yeah and like just be able to like I, I i started learning that like people could get sued out here you know and yeah, i was like if you're not licensed yeah for sure so i was like man like i don't want to be in a position like that so i actually ended up finding the school out in lubbock texas lubbock care academy okay and they ended up accepting me and there were some grants that i could apply for and i got approved for um we only ended up in having to like pay like three thousand for for like out of pocket for like for school which was amazing but even that year of having to move down there my mom helped me get an apartment there at the time i had a conversation previously actually with my mom and because she was on the fence of me going to barber school she's like i want you to go to school and stuff like that mm-hmm. like we can still pay for school like it's okay and i was like no like that's gonna be a huge burden for you and to be honest like i don't know if i truly want to go to college at the time i had like this this almost like a, this thing with college now because they didn't accept me right, at first, right. you know? It's like, sour. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, man, that's not cool. Yeah, finally, I was like, um, I told my mom, I made a deal with her. I was like, you know what? If you could help me this last time to just go through barber school, I promise you that after I get out of barber school, I'm going to repay you everything that we spent on this mm-hmm. apartment, schooling. Like, I want to repay that once I start making money. And I promise you that I'll put myself through school at some point afterwards. But you'll never have to, like, hear from me to asking you for money or for help. I promise you, I'll, if anything, my goal is to help you and to make sure that you're okay for the rest of your life, you know. So that's kind of like my mindset. And at, th- at this point, I had done that research of the barber, uh, Jay-Z's barber, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's, that was the goal. You told I was your like, mom, this, this is where I'm going to be, right? Exactly. So she thought I was crazy, but... It sounded good to her because obviously she wasn't going to have to like pay up front for a lot of that stuff. So ended up moving out there. I would come back with all the small little clientele that I had built up here in, in, in Amarillo. I would come back every two weeks or so just to get a little bit, a little bit of cash and mm-hmm. make sure that I'm like having gas money and like grocery money out there. So, so, so you went to, to barber school and you, um, you finished that process. Did you know what you wanted to do after that? Like, did you think, okay, as soon as I finish this, I'm going to go back to Amarillo and really start things up? Or were you thinking, I'm going to move away? You know, Jay-Z's not going to be in Amarillo. Right, i got right. to go to a place where yes. that kind of clientele is going to exist. Exactly. So what was the plan? Yeah, so once I finally enrolled into a barber school and I started going to barber school, that's when Instagram started and okay. started blowing up. Started searching for people and like started finding certain barbers. And I ended up finding Johnny Cake on Instagram. And I was like, whoa, this is really cool. And you start getting to follow him, his everyday post and things that he posted every day. So I was like, man, like people are accessible now, you know, and you could, I was starting to DM people. Like I even DM'd him, you know what I mean? Yeah. He never replied, but I was like, I'm going to shoot my shot, you know? So yeah. And I knew I needed to get out to a bigger city. My whole goal was like, once I started barber school, I had like this mindset, like I was just so focused. And I remember telling like my classmates around me of wanting to like go to parties or hang out and i was like yo i'm not here for none of that yeah i'm here to take care of my business i'm here to get my license i'm gonna take care of my mom you know what i mean and i just remember just shutting down all the noise shutting down all distractions and just going all in on this craft 
I told myself I would go back to Amarillo just because I already had an established kind of like a name here. And I told myself that I would be here for two years. And in two years, I got to be out of here. Okay. There's a couple of places that I was looking at. I, I was looking at Jersey at one point. All right. Uh, I was looking at uh, Miami at one point. And then LA obviously was the main goal. I, like that was the end goal for, for a second. Uh, just because I found a couple of dope barbers out there as well. Denver uh, ended up becoming last minute for me, actually. I ended up going to a couple of hair shows in Denver and linking with a couple of barbers in Denver. You still had family in Denver, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Still family in Denver for sure. So I, I know once you got to Denver, you know, your goal was to to get that sort of clientele you yes. know, that, that you'd seen and, and fulfill that dream. Did did you immediately think, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on the basketball scene here or the the sports franchises in Denver or like did you was that a specific plan right. or did that just happen? I was starting to love NBA and in, in about middle school and high school. Okay, so definitely that was targeted. Like, man, I want to get NBA players. Like, that would be so cool. NFL was cool, you know, be but but you can't see their hair, right? Exactly, you yeah. can't see it's their not hair. Not as big of a deal. Yeah, exactly, cutting basketball players was definitely the goal. Yeah, I remember a, a barber in Denver, actually, he reached out and he's like, yo, I know you've been looking to like move out of, out of Texas. We're going to start this new shop soon. We're looking for barbers. You're an amazing barber and we would love to have you if it's possible. I remember going through the grand opening of that shop and I loved it. I fell in love with it. I remember coming back home and I immediately started telling my uh all of my clients actually i was like yo like i'm actually leaving in a couple months i think everybody was torn you know because mm-hmm. i had just built two years of clients now they're gonna have to travel to denver <laughs> to <get a> haircut. <laughs> yeah and you know i like i carved out a niche you know and, and it was actually pretty spectacular like the amount of people that were coming through the shop i look back on like my appointment books right now actually and i was doing like like 15 haircuts a day at one point. Wow. Yeah. And it was like six, seven days a week sometimes, you know, because I was young. I, I didn't mm-hmm. have a girlfriend. Oh, you had the energy. You could yeah, do. exactly. And uh, I was also doing 30 minutes haircuts by then. I like I was getting really good. But yeah, I remember telling my people that I was going to end up leaving. Uh, the, per- the people in Denver that invited me to the shop, I told them that I wanted to reach out to a couple barbers that were actually bigger barbers, like people that I had been looking up to and people I had been DMing. I started DMing them because they were doing this like world tour of like, you know, just giving classes and and techniques and stuff. They were going to be in the West Coast and they had announced that they were missing a place in the West Coast. Like, where should we go? They were asking. And I remember reaching out and I was like, you guys should come in Denver. And I send out all the information of the cool new shop that I was a part of. Uh, the, the shop's called Bellwether, was called Bellwether mm-hmm. at the time. And it was it was really cool. It was like a coffee shop and a barbershop in the back, a speakeasy kind of okay. barbershop in the back. Cool. So it was really cool. So I sent all the details out to those barbers and they were like really excited. They're like, yeah, like we're actually going to come through. And in my mind, I had make, made the decision that like if they like went through and they like uh, confirmed with me that they would, you know, lock in that day and they would come to Denver, I was for sure going to move. Hmm. For sure, they gave me the confirmation. They said, we'll be there in, you know, two months. And that was the time frame that I told myself that I was going to move. I was like, ended up telling my clients that I was moving in two months. And my goal was to, like, be there and to move literally for the first day of that class. All right. And that's that was how I was going to start Denver. And it happened. Okay. I was, yeah, I remember packing everything and getting to the point where 
the class was going to be the next day and I had arrived the day before. And I remember unloading my barber chair from the U-Haul that I had moved out here with uh, to Denver. And uh, yeah, people were excited. People were like, didn't know how I had pulled that off, you know, either because like they were big barbers, you know. Uh, but they loved the place and they, you know, we had an amazing turnout. So a lot of people came through. It, it was amazing. We should say at this point that, that you sort of became the unofficial team barber for the Nuggets right. while also doing, you know, your work at Bellwether. Yeah. Um, the stuff with the Nuggets was like you would go to them, and, right. you know, making house calls, I guess. Yes, yes. Um, how did you get that connection? How did that start? Yeah. So in that class uh, that we ended up hosting in Denver, one of the barbers that was on that tour was LeBron James Barber at the time. Okay. Um, and he ended up just kind of just acknowledging that that I had, you know, put in the work to get there. And he kind of knew my story a little bit. We connected and he texted me. We exchanged information on the class. And about a week later, probably like a week and a half, he contacted me via Instagram, actually. And he let me know, like, yo, thank you for having us. That was great. That was a great turnout. It was probably one of the better turnouts of the whole tour that we had. Hmm. So that was really cool that he reached out. And then, you know, chatted for a little bit uh, via Instagram. And then we ended up saying peace to each other. And then later that night, he texted me. He's like, yo, like, um, uh, are you up? And I, it probably like 11 p.m. I was like, yeah, like, what's good? He's like, I have a client for you. And I was like, all right, cool. At the time, I honestly thought it was going to be like a friend or yeah. a family member. Yeah. And he sends me a picture of Mike Miller. And he's like, yo, he's one of my clients right now. He's actually going to end up moving uh, to Denver. So, he, yeah, he'd been playing with LeBron. Exactly. And, uh, he, and he was at Cle in Cleveland at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, uh, he's going to end up moving down to Denver. I want to see if you could possibly take care of him. And at this point, I was like, whoa, like week one, like mm -hmm. we're already in the game, you know? And we should say that people yeah. people like that, like NBA players don't go to great clips, you know, to right, get their haircut. Right, right. They generally have a relationship <laughs> with someone who comes to them. Exactly. They have their personal barbers yeah. every week before a game exactly. or something like that. Exactly. And so they, they need a guy yes. once they move to a new place. Yes, for sure. He finally, you know, sends me the contact. I set things up with Mike Miller and I'm cutting him the next week. Once I meet him, I remember doing his haircut for his first time. And this is the first time I'm doing a house call, you mm -hmm. know. But now I'm doing what Johnny Cake was doing, you know. Yeah, and, and yeah. You know, I'm not cutting Jay-Z, but, like, I'm doing house calls no, now, you know. players. Exactly. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. I'm like, cool. Like, did the worst haircut in my life that day, actually, when I first cut Mike Miller. Because uh, you were nervous? I was nervous. Uh, I didn't have the proper lighting. I remember taking, like, two, like, side, you know, the little light uh the light strips that you mm -hmm. could like yeah took two of those took like this big bag of like stuff i didn't know what i was gonna need you know what i mean so and i remember him like actually just being really cool and just being very welcoming and i was like all right cool i just need to do an okay job you yeah. know so yeah love the haircut he was like yo this is amazing like i'm, I'm gonna hit you up here in a couple of weeks like i get a haircut pretty consistently so sure enough started cutting him like every two weeks and uh probably like six months in he started referring me to other people. As I kept cutting his hair, like the haircuts kept getting crispier and crispier. I remember mm -hmm. uh, my hair, my haircuts being on TV now, and I was like, "All right, cool, like this is so cool." And I remember just watching the games, not necessarily for the game anymore, because I wasn't a Nuggets fan at the yeah. time. I was just to see how the guys. I, yeah, I was a LeBron fan, to be honest. Like I necessarily never had a, a big team that I was like rooting for. I just loved the game, and I loved different players, and I would follow different players. 
But once my haircuts were live on TV on the Nuggets, I was like, damn, like I'm watching Nuggets game like 24 yeah. seven now. And I remember watching those games intentionally, like to just kind of revise my work and just seeing where I could be better. So just kind of like, yeah, just again, attention to detail. Like I was seeing like where I could be better. So tell me, tell me where you are now. Still, still retain all those Nuggets players. Yeah. Clients? Um, great relationships with them. Um, right now I'm in the transition phase mm -hmm. about two to three years ago. I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, yeah. the, the four main cash flow quadrants. It was kind of like another one of those moments where life hit and I was like, man, like I've been pursuing this dream, but it wasn't really, it's not getting me the wealth and, and the wealth building uh, strategies that I was actually seeking for. Because realistically, like all that was fun and it was really cool, but uh, I wasn't developing what I needed to make sure that my mom was going to be retired soon. Okay. If that makes sense. I found out that I was, you know, in one of the hardest cash flow quadrants to be in, which was self-employed. You got to promote yourself. You got to be your own boss. You know, you got to tell you, you, you got to have the effort to want to show up every day, you know, and it's so easy as a barber to like become very comfortable. Uh, and I t tell, say this all the time, like for a new barber to go from like possibly just working a normal job. And I see this all the time now that I've been cutting hair for about nine years is they go from cutting a normal job or, or doing a normal job to like becoming a barber and about a year in of doing school, they're like getting $25 an hour now, mm -hmm. which in a normal job, they're only getting, you know, here in Namarillo was the only minimum wage was yeah. at like $8 Eight or bucks, something. Nine bucks. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a big difference. And we could become very, very comfortable uh, doing that. So um, right now I'm finally establishing plans. I'm learning how to like set goals. And this was like three years ago whenever mm -hmm. I read that book. I was like, I got to structure a plan. I got to make sure that the strategies and, and the business plans that I'm putting together, um, they're in the business side of things and make sure like how do I create a business, right? Okay. So these last three three years, have that's kind of where I've been. I've been cutting back a little bit on, on cutting hair, mainly because the more I work, the less time I have for my family. Right. the less time I have for everything that I, I was actually working for. And that was kind of like, the, I was working backwards. Yeah. And I was just like, man, like, this is not what I'm trying to do. And cutting hair, you're only getting paid while you're at it, work. And so you're, every hour exactly. is, is dedicated to making money. Yes. Um, you're not getting paid when you're not working. And exactly. so you need to set up a system that can yes. provide some income otherwise, exactly. right? Exactly. So what does that look like then? Yes. So right now my plans are to... First and foremost, I'm going to start within the e-commerce space, mm -hmm. but I'm learning that there's a difference from making a product, um, which I had made before. I had made some shirts before and made a product, but like to actually make a brand, mm -hmm. that's totally different. Like how do, how do I make another Nike and not necessarily a Nike, but like make a, a brand within the hair industry that's like, that has the characteristics and the values of a Nike or a, an Apple. And like I started really diving deep on like what are these organizations and companies are doing and it really comes down what i've learned at least is they're telling a story and they're great storytellers they captivate their audience through making sure that the audience are able to put themselves in the story that they're telling okay. right so just storytelling i'm learning a lot about like business and marketing it's not so much about the product but like how many people can you actually tell and prove that you got a great product right and a great brand um so i'm learning a lot of that so 
I'm getting ready to release my 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 first collection soon, uh, which is just gonna be a small capsule collection. Uh, I actually want it to be a lifestyle brand, and it's all gonna correlate within the hair industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second pillar is going to be a course that I'm putting together, a six to eight week program. I'm finishing structuring the, the e-commerce side of things right okay. now. And then once I'm done with that, I'm going to put all my energy that I'm putting into this right now into the course and just kind of structure a way to learn about sales funnels and marketing yeah. and like yeah. how to get my stuff out there, right? How to put it in front of people. The name of the brand now is called Renovated Aesthetics, which I've actually had that word renovated for like since day one. I remember... Hmm. Uh, doing the first logo in barber school, actually. Really. So the word renovated in dictionary means to take something and put a better state of repair. And thankfully, I have an amazing team and some mentors that have really blessed me uh, with how to take a lot of my ideas and how to put them into a simplified message. And the messaging behind renovated aesthetics is to just transcend identity to its utmost state. We don't sell a hoodie. We sell confidence. Okay. We don't sell a course. We sell confidence. We don't sell um, haircuts or just sell uh, hair services. We we give confidence. So uh, that's kind of be kind of be like the core thing, uh, and it goes back to like my story, like this the limiting beliefs, not having the confidence, right, yeah. and really overcoming those limiting beliefs and becoming more confident, stepping into this new role of a leader, and like sh- uh, making sure that. Once I have my own shop, which that's kind of like going to be the third pillar, is how do I make sure that I'm, I'm a servant leader? I'm, I'm here to serve them. What is it that they want? What are your goals? What are your dreams? And how do we uh, work as a team to make sure that you're getting what you want as well? Hey, Amarillo is supported this week by SKP Creative. We live in an online world and online reviews have the ability to make or break your business. Reviews powered by SKP Creative is the fastest and easiest way to get great reviews from your loyal customers on the platforms of your choice. There's no complicated setup, no expensive training, just a simple, intuitive interface created with small business owners in mind. Visit reviews.skpcreative.com to start generating more reviews for your business today. That's reviews.skpcreative.com. Okay, I'm back with Sway Navarro. Sway, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum in Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes an Apache buckskin cap with golden eagle feathers, which mm. dates back to 1870. Oh, wow. Beautiful. Uh, it's really cool. You can learn more at panhandleplains.org. Okay, these eight questions are questions I ask all of my guests. Okay. Uh, I want to start with this one for you. What's one way Amarillo has influenced your career? For myself, I believe it's just the humble beginnings, man. Like just being in a smaller town, having Amarillo, Texas kind of be the core of my story. Mm-hmm. And it seems like people that I tell my story to all the time, they're like, what? where's Amarillo at? Right. And some know just due to like the big Texan and yeah, like it's been yeah. featured, you know, and, and people drive through people here all the time. Yeah, you know, so but giving a vision and, and an opportunity for younger individuals to know that like it doesn't matter where you are, you know, like you could get wherever you want. So I think that's been kind of like the core yeah. of, of, of my, my story. A and good grounding. Yes. Yeah, and that's something that I want to share within my stories. Like it doesn't matter where you are, it's it's all about where you finish. So Okay. Other than wind, what does this area have too much of? 
too many carbs, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, too many carbs for sure. I'm actually on uh, just finished and wrapped up a 120 day challenge. Yeah, and I do the 120 day challenge. I've been intermediate fasting. Oh, okay. Uh, so I gave myself like a small window from 1 p.m. to 10, 11 p.m. Just because sometimes my, my days are a little off. So I, I give myself like eight, nine hour uh, time frame to eat. And I give myself those 15, 16, 17 hours to really digest what I've ate. Right. OK. And I've been doing a lot less carbs. I've been eating a lot of fruits and a lot of veggies. Yeah. And at the beginning of the year, um, I was weighing in at like 230. You really? Yeah, and I'm six one, which you yeah. can't really tell. But you're you know? not two thirty. Right <laughs> no, not right now. I've actually <laughs> gone down since the beginning of the year, five months now. Uh, to I'm um, weighed in the other day, about three days ago, at one ninety four. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and my right. goal is to get to one ninety, which I'm very close. So and yeah, there's a, there's a lot of great places to eat, and exactly all, all the good stuff is, <laughs> is carb based. Yes. So. Yes. And nothing um, wrong with that, but yeah, I just yeah. I just feel like, yeah, we could do a little better here. Okay, what does this area not have enough of? I, I believe we don't have enough people that have left here and done their thing and, and came back. Okay. Um, I start with myself, you know, mm-hmm. and that's something that I've, that has really hit me like these last three years and knowing that if there's nobody to really come back and the keys that we got from these bigger cities or yeah. whatever, like, to reinvest in the the youth here and to put them on and, and be an example and let people know that like, yo, like it's possible, you know, I think we need more people like that. Yeah. That's a conversation we've actually had a lot uh, with, with podcast guests and it's the value in leaving here mm-hmm. and seeing something that you appreciate in another mm-hmm. place, Denver mm-hmm. or LA or mm-hmm. Austin, wherever, mm-hmm. and then coming back and saying, Hey, we need this here. Mm-hmm. This is how they did it where I was. Let's exactly. let's do something new here. Exactly. Let's change some things. Yes. I, I exactly. think that perspective is really important. Beautiful. Yes. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside this area? Yeah, I always say it's a smaller city that everybody drives through, but nobody knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Route 66 uh, is through here. So people definitely hear it and have been familiar from it. But yeah, I always tell them like, yeah, like more than likely if you've traveled. From, it's not what you see ex- on I-40. Exactly. And I always bring up, obviously, the big text and yeah. features uh, on the Food Network or something uh, like that. All right? over the Along place, yeah. Ago, People yeah. all over the world knew yeah. the big Texan. So, Speaking of carbs, what's your favorite local restaurant? You know, I don't know if it's still around, just because I haven't been to it in a very long time. But I don't know's. Uh, you remember the, the restaurant, I don't know's? It was... Oh, I don't know, Bar and Grill. Yeah, yeah. Is no longer around. Oh, it, it shifted to a food truck for a while. And okay. And then, I, yeah, I don't think it exists. Man, I, that was one of my favorite places for it sure. It was a cool place. That, it was no, one of the first places that had like a ton of different beer options right, on right, tap. Right. Yeah, like that yeah. was its selling point. And yeah, the yeah. the waffle fries were my yeah. favorite there. Yeah. IDK Bar and Grill. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, RIP. Yeah, RIP. Wow. What's your favorite neighborhood in the city? You know, I don't know the name of the neighborhood, but I remember in high school. No, we had just graduated high school. My brother started working at BSA as a transporter. And he ended up getting very familiar and getting very cool with the vice president, I believe, of BSA. His name was Mike. And he actually ended up hiring my brother and I to go and do some garden work on weekends. Okay. And I just remember going to his home and I just be 
being very inspired. There's a there's a golf course behind his house. Okay, yeah. You know, yeah. So that that's the that's the La Paloma area. Okay, that, yeah. That's okay, what La Paloma. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Really cool neighborhood. It's got a lot of hills and stuff. Oh my which is goodness. Different from everything. Yeah, and I'm just like, man, like, that's where I want my home. Once, okay. Once I once I move, you know, once I'm able to get a home here. Do you have a favorite barber or barber shop in Amarillo? Man, I, I gotta say the R Salon where I originally left from okay. uh, here in Amarillo. That's where you worked. Yeah, that's where I worked. It was just a one person owner and she was the only one that was working out of there. Her name's Anna Rivas. And she's still there. She's still mm-hmm. hustling it out through there. And it was just a small, very intimate place. It was right behind Hummers in that little like Okay. Yeah. Area. I know that area. She she was amazing. She did a lot for me. Uh, they actually gifted me my first barber chair. Awesome. There, yeah. So, okay. And when was the last time you visited Paladuro Canyon? Twenty twenty. Really? Yeah. Really? When the pandemic happened, yeah. We everybody went outside. Yeah, exactly. We came out here uh, to visit my mom, and we actually stayed here for like a month or two, actually. And it was just time to, um, as we were studying and doing a lot of the stuff that I've been talking about. And I'm so blessed and, and grateful that we have that here. Like, it's the second biggest second canyon biggest or something canyon. like that. Yeah. So I, I tell people all the time about that as well. Like, we have the second biggest canyon. So. Okay, so that concludes the eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's one thing you would want uh, listeners to know about or to experience? Everything that I do, I do it for the youth and for the next generations because I know that's where our future lies. And I would tell them that, to read more books, to hmm. to, I'm just now getting in a better habit of reading consistently, which I'm very proud of. These last two years, last year I I never read a book actually prior to that, like on my own. Yeah, uh, only last, for school. Or- right, right, right. Last year I read four books. This year I'm on my fourth book already. Okay, yeah. so it's good progress. And, and and I'm learning that we are not the only ones that have been through life. There's been many generations that have been through life already. And there's no need to reinvent the wheel. More than likely, if you're struggling with something, there's a book out there that could help and could shine light on the circumstances that people are possibly dealing with. So, to yeah, just to understand that reading books, uh, now I understand why people, you know, people that read books yeah. understand how yeah. important those things are. So, yeah, just read more books and mind your business, do your push-ups, and uh, <laughs> follow your, your heart, you know. Okay, I can get behind all those. <laughs> all right, Sway Navarro, thank you so much for being on yeah, the podcast. Thank I appreciate you so it. Much. Yes, it was amazing. Thank you for having me, Jason. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Sway for the interview, for giving me a, a, a little bit of time when he was here in town recently. You can learn more about his new collection by checking out Renovated Aesthetics on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks also to sponsors the Texas Outdoor Musical, SKP Creative, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum. If you like this podcast, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. And if you want to, leave a review. I would love that. Helps other people find the show. It makes me feel good about producing this content. As usual, Hey Amarillo exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you and the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. Hey Amarillo's executive producers include Wilson Lemieux, Josh Wood, Jess Heredia, Corey Burns, Wes Reeves, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Patrick Burns, and Barbara and Jim Witten. This has been episode 251. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.